Welcome to How Do You Feel, where we talk about how we feel, how we felt, or what we hope to be feeling. My name is Haley Rhodes, and I am the host of this podcast. Join me as we break the stigma of mental health journeys. If you are someone that struggles with mental health, this podcast is not a substitution for professional advice. This avenue is for sharing stories, and we encourage everyone to seek help from professional resources when needed. Welcome to our second episode of How Do You Feel? Today is going to be super exciting as we host our first guest in just a couple of minutes. As a reminder, How Do You Feel is all about creating a space for people to feel welcome, to share their stories, talk about their joys or battles, and I'm super happy that I have the opportunity to create a place to do that. This platform is all about sharing how we feel or the things that we have experienced. Listening to other people can help others feel less alone and hopefully create a standard for people to own their journeys without shame. Because let's be honest, we all have struggles. Today's guest is Chris Marple, who's currently a PhD candidate at the University of Iowa in the music education program. He has been a choral music educator for elementary through collegiate levels for the past 19 years. And this is actually how I got introduced to Chris. He was my high school music education teacher. Chris and his wife, Reverend Jelaine Marple, live in Clinton, Iowa with their seven-year-old daughter, Ellen Jean. While having Chris as a teacher and director in many of my musical adventures, I would say that throughout high school, I spent quite a lot of time with him. Though this opportunity was so great to reconnect with him and really get more insight into some of his journey and what makes him him. I started off my conversation with Chris by asking about his experiences growing up and learning a little bit more about what his family life was like. Thank you for having me. Uh, I uh, am 42 years old. Um, I currently live in, in Clinton, Iowa. Um, I grew up, though, in Bellevue, Nebraska, which is outside of Omaha, and uh, that's what I consider home. We've been there since 1991, my, my family. And I have a younger brother who's three years younger than I am. Uh, my, my mom passed away 17 years ago, but we grew up in a, a pretty stable home. Um, mom didn't work. She stayed home. Uh, Dad was a Kmart manager. And uh, before ending up in our hometown, we moved around a little bit in the Midwest for his, his profession. But uh, I was very fortunate. Both my parents loved me, and we had an open relationship, and we talked about quite a lot of things, and they always supported me in whatever I wanted to do. They were always at my events and my brother's events, and uh, we uh, were pretty fortunate to have a good role model of what I thought loving parents looked like, you know, for, for 30 years before my, my mother passed away. Um, music was always a part of my life ever since I was in high school and, and that's when I first knew that I, I wanted to do more with it and so I, ever since I was 16 I knew that I wanted to be a choir director, teach music and uh, 
I met my wife, uh, Jelaine, in college in our choir. And so, again, another way that choirs helped change my life. And uh, that was at Northwest Missouri State University, and we were there for five years. And uh, she's a couple years ahead of me, so I, I, I grabbed an older woman. <laughs> um, and after that, I, I got a degree in, in uh, music education, and I decided to go right through and get a master's degree right away. And so we moved to Omaha, where I was at University of Nebraska, Omaha, for two years. And we we weren't married yet, so we had we had two different apartments for a while. And oh, uh, that was an interesting experience. But, yeah. she, but she had not lived on her own yet, and so she wanted to experience life as an independent woman before you know, she, she got married, which I respected. So we, we did that for a while and we've been, we've been married for almost 17 years and, uh, been together for, for 20 years, not coming up. So it's been a, a wonderful relationship. We, we have a, a beautifully smart and talented seven-year-old daughter, um, Ellen Jean. I can't believe she's seven. Seven years. That's right. So she's, she's really, um, helped us to kind of discover who we are as parents. It's a new a new identity that we've had to traverse. But uh, since my master's degree, I've been teaching high school choir music, high school choral music for 12 years, and it's the exact same thing I wanted to do. And after 12 years, I finally felt that I was being called towards something else. And uh, it, it was, a, it was a, a change I didn't need to make. I, I was perfectly happy uh, in Dubuque where I was teaching. Um, the students respected me. I loved the job. Uh, there was a lot of um, room for growth, and I could have just stayed there. The The director before me was there for 38 years, and so I could have easily been that guy again. But that wasn't my end goal. I, I, I always knew that I wanted that university-level experience. And so for the past five years, I've been at the University of Iowa pursuing a, a Ph.D. in music education. And now I have a chance to give back to future music teachers. So I, I help student teachers with their learning. Yeah, I you were my choir director yeah. and I still remember the day that we like were in the auditorium yes. and you announced that you were I leaving. Did. That was like one of like my core memories from high school. I remember <laughs> oh, no. that day. Well, I, I, I had to do it that way cause I, I couldn't emotionally bear it myself to have that same conversation a hundred times with every student yeah, in the every classroom kid. and I would have just wrecked me. Yeah. So we just pulled the bandaid off, but uh, it's, it's, it's been a really good experience, but a very challenging experience. It's, it's kind of it's both exactly what I thought it was going to be and completely different at the same time. Do you do you find um, that you still kind of connect with some of your like old high school students? Or yeah, you know them? I've always been really fortunate that uh, I've I've had really good relationships with uh, especially a core group of uh, students, um, and they weren't always the my either my favorite students or like the most talented music performers in in high school, but um, they just stood out to me for some reason and we connected and. So to this day, um, I have very good relationships with students who I taught, you know, 12, 12 years ago, which at this point is more like 17 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but they, we, we have a really great relationship with a lot of students still. Very lucky. That's awesome. Yeah. So a lot of this podcast is about mental health. <laughs> Can you talk to us about maybe what you think mental health looks like for you or even just like what that those words kind of mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, my wife and I talk about this often. She um, lives with um, anxiety and some depression also. And for, for us, we, we use the term brain health mm, um, rather like than that. mental health just because it's mental has so many 
mysterious connotations that we sometimes try and demystify what that means. Yeah. And it for for me it just it just means that uh you know it's it's a chemical imbalance I think and there's it's something that can't be um fixed by flipping a switch. You know, it can't be fixed by why don't you just think happy thoughts mm-hmm. is the comment that, you know, my wife gets most often and it's like why don't you just think think happier yeah, think, why don't you think, just think positive, positive. And it'll, that's right <laughs> and it'll all be fine and and you know everybody has a story and no one really understands what that person is going through um and so we we have to approach everyone with kindness but uh, it's just a that's how i determine it how i define it it's just it's a uh, a chemical imbalance of of something that can't be controlled by that person and uh, we we hope that uh, we're strong enough to seek help for those things yeah, definitely. When do you think that some of your experiences with mental health, I know mm-hmm. you mentioned your wife has some struggles. Yeah. When do you think you personally kind of started having some mental health battles mm-hmm. and what do you think that that looked like for you? Sure. Uh, I mentioned that uh, I grew up in, in Belvin, Nebraska. And so I think some of my first awarenesses of, of well, this doesn't feel right and this isn't normal is, <laughs> is um, um, I had a, a mother who was very caring but at the same time. I think she had some, uh, anxiety and depression herself, which at the time I didn't know what that was mm-hmm. in high school. I didn't realize it. Um, and it wasn't until she passed away that we, I got a, a bigger picture of what she was dealing with and the reasons she stayed home and never went out and didn't allow us to have students and our friends over yeah. uh, to the house. But she, she, um, was overweight since after, after having children and I was always overweight most of my youth growing mm-hmm. up. And there, there were times in high school when she would, she would point those things out and just say, maybe you shouldn't have this, or what yeah. if you go? And I was always very active. I, I was a four-sport athlete, and um, there's always something to be, to be busy with. And so um, I wonder if, if some of those involvements weren't, you know, subconsciously to try and do do more physical be activity, to be yeah. busy. To, yeah. Um, and so I that's the first time I, I really felt... Um, challenged um with these 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 thoughts i was having of negativity that over my body image in high school um and uh it was, it was challenging there's was, there was one particular time when you know, i was stressed with something and she said that and it was just a breaking point i remember breaking down and i went to my dad and just crying to him and telling yeah. him and and I don't know what happened after that. If he talked to her, I didn't ever talk to her about you it. You never just, talked to her I, about I, it? I just needed to, you know, because yeah. it was one of those things that was just understood that, you know, she's overweight, I'm overweight, and we just didn't talk about it. Yeah. And um, so I I wonder if I would I wonder if being busy in high school is one of my ways to just avoid the conversation because I would be gone from 7 in the morning until 9 or 10 o'clock at night um, almost every day. Did you ever like have any conversations with your brother about those things, or was no. that something you guys just didn't address? Well, and no, I we we never did, and I think that's just another something that just wasn't done in our family. Having those open conversations, and you know, we we said I love you sparingly in the mm-hmm. family, and and seeing how my mom was raised, I understood why because my grandmother was very stoic in her very cool, and the, and they. Um, and they're they're loving, but they just never expressed, you know, compassion and love in that way. And so I remember um, being relieved to a point when I went off to college that I was able to kind of get away from this. And still, to this day, one of my regrets in life is that I I was never really there for as my brother as much as I probably could or should have been. Yeah. Because, you know, and and not understanding how he was 
dealing with anything that was happening at home while I was gone. So that's still a, uh, a point of contention for me. I regret I have. How do you think that as you've kind of like grown up a little bit more, as you've kind of like been in the working world and even gone back to school, have you found that you've had more problems with mental health or as you've grown up, you've kind of um, like maybe made some realizations that have helped mm-hmm. some of those things? Um, for, for a while, it was it was pretty good. Um, the first the first um, five or 10 years of, of marriage with uh, with Jelaine were were really great. I think it was, um, I was, I was healthier physically. Um, mm-hmm. I made some changes in my life and, um, I was with someone who loved me and who I loved and we supported each other. And, and so I, for a while it was, it was fine. We didn't really have any issues that were hanging over us that we talked about. Um, I think it was more like the, the early stages of like the honeymoon period of a, of a, a marriage, you know, yeah. <laughs> everything was fine. Right. And loving and, and it was after about five, those five or ten years that um, some of the issues started to reemerge when I was starting to teach, mm-hmm. um, and so I began comparing myself to other choir directors, other programs. Like, oh my God, they're they're bigger than we are. They're they're better. better I, um, yeah. They have more experience. Oh my gosh, he's he's ten years younger than I am, and he look at all this that he, that he or she is has done, and um, so that was that was challenging. So I began to question my abilities as a choir director. I'm like, did I miss a, a a turn someplace where I could have done more with mm-hmm. for myself or my students. And so, and that, that planted the seed of kind of insecurity. And so I think from there, like I questioned my abilities as, as a husband and, and then as a, as a father. And then, and then it kind of just, it's all stemmed from that one planting of seed that I just wasn't good enough. Yeah. And do you feel like that was maybe portrayed in the way that you did your job? Like, do you think that there maybe was a turning point where all of a sudden you were like, oh, I'm like holding myself back because of these feelings? Or do you think that that it didn't affect you in that way, just others? Um, I, I never really thought that there was a, like a moment where I'm like, well, this is happening now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was just a, a slow realization that, um, and it was put upon me by no one. It was all self-induced um, and there was no rational reason for it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's part of that generalized anxiety is just the fact that it just it just happens. There's no real reason for it. It's yeah. No one is there is no pressure from my, you know, from my employers, from my administration, from to do better, to do different. They were really enjoying what I had to do. But I always saw that that next step is like well, I could be I could be doing that. Why aren't I doing yeah. that? Um, and, uh, you know, the rational reason is that I was taking care of myself and doing what I could at the moment um, cause as a, a choir director in a program like that, usually there's two directors in the, something in the a school of that size Yeah. and I was by myself. And so that was the reason why, but for me, that didn't make sense. Like I still could be doing more. Mm-hmm. Um, even though for a long part, a long time when I was teaching in Dubuque, I was living in Clinton. And so I would leave at five o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't be back until midnight almost every day for almost two and a half years. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, it was, so that was, that brought about its own challenges because I, I wasn't physically healthy anymore because mm-hmm. I wasn't getting enough sleep and I wasn't um, focusing on my, my own mental health then. And I, and I knew it, but I didn't take time to help myself. Yeah, I think I found for myself, like I kind of relate to that, like 
nothing really caused this. You know, like it's coming from me and um, it wasn't like a certain thing. I found that that made it almost harder for me to share about it because mm. to me, like it seemed silly to me, right. but it didn't like eliminate that struggle. Do you feel like that's something that you experienced? Uh, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. That that rings true for me also. There's, because I because I felt it was just something that I was experiencing, I didn't think, well, I don't need to burden someone else with my problems. I mean, surely this is something I'll just grow out of or this is just a phase or a temporary thing that I was thinking. And that just led to the next phase. It mm -hmm. was never like, yeah. and now this is over. It just added on to the next thing I was concerned about. And I was I was covered well. You know, no one ever knew like all oh, that Chris choir guy is really because I was happy and friendly and smiled all the time and the choirs yeah. that I had were doing great things and the students yeah. were happy. So I mean no one had a reason to to doubt that anything was anything wrong. Was, that's right. Yeah. And um as you've kind of then left that teaching role, mm -hmm. um did was part of that decision like leaving and going back to school part of this desire to maybe be healthier? Like Maybe take care of yourself more. Uh, initially, I thought, well, you know, if I if I leave, look at all this time I'm going to have. I'm yeah. going to have time to to be healthy, and I, I won't have to teach the classes anymore. I won't have evening rehearsals. I'll have so much more time to. But at the same time, I was a new father. Um, you know, my 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 daughter was a, a toddler when I decided to go back to get my PhD, and uh, things kind of be things. That's when things really started to compound. Mm -hmm. um, when I left a world of teaching where I had one identity solid, I knew who I was as a conductor, and now I'm going to go back and do this thing. Um, and in the world of music education, it's very much like research based mm -hmm. and at the at the PhD level, and it's things you're doing on your own, you're creating your own research, um, things that haven't been done before, and what you can contribute to the field. And this is these are things I've never done before. So it. At 36, I'm doing something I've never done before, mm -hmm. but I just walked in and people expected me to know it. Well, yeah, and I'm sure insecurity, like already having a battle with insecurity, I'm sure that just like accelerated yeah. it to a new level. It, it was it was pretty low. The times during my PhD program were some of my lowest experiences mm -hmm. personally with anxiety. Um, and I, I knew that I shouldn't be feeling this way. And luckily there were a handful of other uh, graduate teaching assistants there and there still are that we we try and talk together often mm -hmm. and share these feelings because we we all feel the same way yeah and as I attend these conferences and I, uh, I I read books and I listen to podcasts it's it's a very common theme anxiety and depression in higher mm -hmm. education and academics um, because rejection becomes part of what we do as far as we, we write something, we submit it, it gets rejected. We tweak it, yeah. submit it, it gets rejected. And so much of what we do is putting ourselves out there. And for someone to say, that's not really good enough for what we're looking for, that just piles on to the feeling of self-doubt. Definitely. And uh, so there were there were times I had a, I had a faculty member who was no longer at, at uh, Iowa because uh, this person was dealing with her, uh, this, her own issues. Yeah. Um, that... Uh, was kind of verbally abusive to the teaching assistants, and uh, this person didn't mean to be, um, I'm sure, because um, that's not why we go into this profession, right? Yeah. To, to demean people purposely. But the, the way they, uh, this, this faculty member taught was um, not conducive to mental health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and so um, 
they uh, they kind of um, put down my writing and my reason for writing and like you, just, you can't do this and mean meanwhile they didn't like teach like here's what you should yeah. do it was just like you're wrong invalidating right. like exactly. what you were trying mm-hmm. to do like thanks it's just my my career is fine yeah. <laughs> it's no, no problem yeah and uh, there were several good aspects from this faculty member also but uh, those are the ones you hang on to you hang on to the ones that sting right because yeah. all words have meaning um and so as uh it's comforting comforting to know that i have graduate students who are going through this with me that i can talk about and um, going through the last year and a half of writing a dissertation, which is kind of the final research project for a PhD, yeah. Um, on top of this pandemic, which was, I mean, that's that can be its own podcast in itself, a right? Whole, I mean, a just, whole new a whole, battle, yeah, right? totally. And so, trying to determine what it looks like to be a music educator during this time, and then still trying to do this research, was super challenging. Um, and then once you get past all like the data collection of your stuff, then it's your writing and then it's, then it's just you and a computer. Yeah. Pretty isolating. It's very isolating. That's right. And so, uh, as if the pandemic weren't isolating enough, (laughs) you know, now it's, you know, I'm working from home now, so I'm not even at my office, um, in Iowa city and it's just me and a computer looking up these. And so 200 pages later, you know, and a year and a half later, it's, it's done. And, uh, I'll be finishing soon. So there's, there's been an uptick with my positivity because of I see the light at the end it's of the tunnel. It's kind of like a weight off your shoulder a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but let me tell you, that weight was crushing for a long time. A long time, yeah. Uh, and so, and I've acknowledged what those feelings feel like mm-hmm. now. So I'm hoping that, you know, I can I can enjoy this positivity and these feelings of, of pride, you know, which are rare. Yeah, It, it yeah. doesn't happen when, you know, you feel like, like I can really do this. Um, but I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of good mentors who are really focused on, um, well, well being and spiritual growth and positivity. Mm-hmm. And at first when I got to Iowa, I thought it was just it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> really? It was like, this is, this is great. No one is that positive all the time. Yeah. Like no one can really just, you know, do all these things. And, and over, over time I've, I've come to, to realize that these techniques are, are helpful. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've changed a lot of how I get through a day. Um, and so now I, I spend a lot more time listening to music as a, a choir teacher. People think, Oh, you must listen to music all the time. Yeah. And, and I just, I just didn't. Don't, I was yeah. so, I was so busy with like my own music that I was trying to create that I never listened to music from other people in other places that would be able to help. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to like in the midst of all of this, like mm-hmm. from the beginning to now, like you've become a parent yeah. to a kid and how, how has these struggles maybe affected your home life or even mm-hmm. just like, I mean, being a parent in itself is, I feel like a whole nother mental health so, battle. Yeah. So, well, and, the, and there are some things that as parenting, it's not part of, you know, brain health or mental health. It's just parenting. Parenting. And yeah. It's, it's a struggle. And, um, for every demographic of person it's different it's a, it's a different experience for yeah what i experience is different um as a as a father as a working father um as a spouse of a minister my wife's a, a lutheran minister mm-hmm. and um that in itself can be challenging because usually the stereotypical pastor's spouse yeah. is 
you know, scene from like the 1950s with like a cake in the oven and a pot of coffee. Ready yeah, to, pastor's family there every Sunday. That's right, sitting in the front row, nice. Yeah. And, and you know, that's just not the case. So, so having having our daughter, and she is, um, she is more intelligent than than a lot of kids her age, and that's not just the daddy and me talking. It's like. <laughs> We, totally not it's, biased. It's the teachers are <laughs> confirming this too, everybody. Um, so it's it was nice to to know this, but at the same time, that's a challenge because she's she's overly aware of things mm-hmm. even at seven, and so um, my wife and I make the um, agreement and the arrangement to not use negative self speak. Oh yeah. In the house. Yeah. When it's so easy to like, I cannot get this stupid paper right. I can't get this. Yeah, and, and it can be easy to just even make like comments like, "Oh, I'm so dumb," or like, mm-hmm, "Oh, sure. I can't do this." Like, oh my like, god, my, I'm so fat. My pants don't fit. Today. Yeah. And, and we we uh, we are very aware of how we speak around our daughter, just because we don't want her to pick up on anything that yeah, she that's can super important. use, and because she's she is um, taller. And large and larger for her size, and mm-hmm. so we don't want her to think that that is an issue something that reflects wrong. A yeah. on her or something that she can do to be better. So we and we talk openly um, with as much as possible. We have real real conversations about body image mm-hmm. and how, you know when like when clothes don't fit, it's not you. It's it's the it's the and clothes. So yeah. we, have, we at seven we have these conversations because you know, the kids are getting younger these days or, you know, getting, yeah. getting older, younger <laughs> these days. Definitely. So they're growing up quick. Yeah. That's, that's super interesting. Do you think that as like, what age do you think that you started kind of those conversations with her or realized like, Oh, these are conversations that we really like need to be having. Well, I think probably around, around five, I think when she began asking yeah. why, all the time is you know and it's uh like why why do i look like this why does my belly do this and why do i and just being aware of like the world and so we we try to have honest conversations with her and um because we don't want uh, her to go through what what i did and what my wife did also growing up we were Mm -hmm. um um, with just insecurities and feeling of of self-doubt and uh, there's there's nothing that i've been diagnosed with as far as any kind of anxiety disorder yeah. or depression and and uh, I I've um, not taken time to seek out therapy counseling mm-hmm. and there's no great reason why I've been yeah even that I mean like sometimes I feel like because if we don't have like a name to put on our problems like even that can feel invalidating you mm-hmm. know like even that like for the longest time I would say like oh yeah I have an eating disorder but like I actually never went to a doctor to tell me that. And mm-hmm. so then I was like, well, am, like, do I actually, you know, right. like, sh- is that right for me to say that? And Even though it... like I was very clearly like struggling with that. I feel like mm-hmm. that can be another aspect of like invalidation and self doubt and like insecurity of like, man, am I even like, am I even enough to be considered, you know, like mm-hmm. anxious or that kind of stuff? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's that, it's that first step that m- my wife was strong enough to take. And so um, she has seen, therapist and she uh um she has been uh, prescribed medication that w- will help her mm-hmm. um and I'm, I'm just so proud of, of her for doing that um and we talked openly about that also that you know mommy is is talking to her therapist and um it's it, it just happens that um the therapist um is a uh, a friend of the family now yeah and, and uh has kids in my daughter's school 
And so she she knew, but she didn't know like why. We didn't go into depth about why mommy was talking to you know this yeah. person to help. But um, and I I think there's still a lot of stigma attached to 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 seeing a therapist and asking for help in general. Yeah. Right. Um, and I I have in the back of my mind. Well, I'm I'm. I'm getting a PhD. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a doctor, and you yeah. know, and you know, not 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 that kind of doctor, right? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, being someone at the at the the pinnacle of of my of my career educationally, and um, asking for help, like, well, what if what if people find out? I'm, I still have to get a job. You know, mm-hmm. I'm applying for these jobs all over the country, and like, what what if they find out that I'm seeing a you know, a, a therapist, therapist for yeah. heaven forbid, like that, and that you know he's having mental m- mental uh, health issues or brain health issues, and so that's that's a big big concern that I that I had, and uh, the there were always options for me to pursue. I mean, mm-hmm. we've been a very fortunate that it's not nothing has been serious. It's not a serious illness. Yeah, um, I don't require medication. So there's so many more people that uh, experiencing more challenging situations than mm-hmm. we are. So we, we're very, very blessed. Um, and I, I understand how, how fortunate that we both are. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, uh, it's those, those times when I, I want to take that step forward. There's always a reason I don't. And yeah. it's all based on That's just self fear. Fear. Yeah. And, honestly. And it's like, what, what, what will they think of me? And, and who, who cares? Right. Mm-hmm. Is the answer. Yeah. Now, and, and so in, in the positive light of day, you can say, well, it shouldn't matter what someone else thinks <laughs> of you, right? It's the same things you tell your kids. It yeah, it's matter easy what to say you, it. Right? But but then to, to go through it yourself. And so it's it's been challenging. Yeah, I've one thing I said um, on the last episode when I kind of talked about my own struggles, I said when I was really struggling when I first came to college um, back in 2017, I guess, I didn't think that people like Obviously, I knew that therapy existed, but mm-hmm. at that point, like, I didn't openly know anyone who saw a therapist, right. you know, like, no one was coming out and being like, oh, I go to therapy and like, oh, I take medication to yeah. help me. Like, that just like wasn't a conversation. And so I think that that's something that I've realized, like, looking back and really reflecting intentionally about the last couple of years is that those conversations have become a little bit more normal and um, Mm -hmm. it's still scary. I mean, it's still scary to say like, oh, I have anxiety because yeah, we worry what people are going to think and what the perception is there. Like, what do people think of me? But I do think it's gotten at least a little bit more normalized, especially Mm -hmm. with the pandemic. Yeah, I think so too. And now the people are just asking for help more often. And, you know, you always hear the the talk shows or the saying, you know, it's okay to ask for help. And these are the Mm -hmm. things you should, and they bring on the experts and they talk about, the different different ways you could do that, and, yeah, and self care, and so sometimes I I question, you know, we talked earlier about is it something I have, is, is it I'm experiencing, or yeah. is it is it just everyone's experiencing this also, and we're just not owning it, mm-hmm. and I'm no different than you. It's just yeah, it, we exactly. just gotta call it for what it is. Yeah, I know that it's it's hard to name it. Like mm-hmm. sometimes that can be the hardest step is just naming it, and and over. Over the past year of the five years, really, um, I talked about how boy, I, th- I sure thought I had all this extra time. I could go yeah. and be healthy and, t- and self-care. And, yeah. And, you know, I living in Clinton and going to school in Iowa City, it's a two-and-a-half-hour round trip. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sitting in my car, and then I'm sitting in classes, and then I'm sitting when I write. And then I'm, and so I, I never took that time to create a habit for myself, a mm-hmm. positive habit of self-care. And physical self-care. And so it just 
five years later and, you know, uh, several pounds later, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, here I am about to graduate and it's like, wow, I really kind of missed an opportunity. But yeah. at the same time, it was, I didn't feel like doing it. Like I was in the I, moment. I was, it's hard to find that. That's right. Yeah. Um, when I know that you mentioned you've been like listening to music a lot mm -hmm. more and that's been helpful. Are there like yeah. certain things that you do when you like maybe are just having an off day when you're like, I just am not good today. Are there certain things that you do that like kind of help keep you more grounded mm -hmm. or even like a daily or weekly thing that you're like, I need to do this yeah. for me. Like I, this is important. I take more time to breathe mm. and just enjoy me yeah. and that didn't happen before yeah and so people always talk about just the importance of just take some deep breaths well that's i mean i just do yeah <laughs> you know i so I, I take 30 seconds and um just take some deep breaths and usually i can find something to kind of refocus that those thoughts um it was more challenging when those negative thoughts, those inner voices kind of came like in the middle of my day, if I was teaching or if I was mm -hmm. away from home, if I was, you know, in Iowa city and, and I was middle of a class someplace and I just had to deal with it and sit there for an hour with these negative thoughts, just screaming at yeah. me. Yeah. So that was, that was challenging. But so now I can, I, I feel them coming on like those negative thoughts. I can mm -hmm. kind of turn that radio station down a little bit. Yeah. Um, and finding music that is, almost like a white noise ambient type music just to not focus on any melody Specific as, especially thing. especially yeah. as a musician like i get so distracted by the the music the, yeah. and which i suppose is the point i suppose really but yeah um that i don't get a lot of work done and so i i listen to ambient music or white noise things to just distract um i live kind of out in the country um we're kind of fortunate to live and have miles and miles of fields all around us mm -hmm. and so um, I, I enjoy being outside and just, uh, taking time to appreciate nature a little bit. We, we bought a, a camper a couple of years ago. So Ooh. now we're, we're camper people. Nice. Uh, and so, uh, that has become almost an outlet, you know, everybody kind of needs a thing. Well, my thing kind of became just fiddling around with this little camper and I didn't, the thing I didn't know yeah. I needed. <laughs> And it's like, ooh, what can I tweak next? What can I? And so, yeah. If if you're talking to my wife, she would tell you, well, of course that's what he's doing. It's it's his thing. Now. Yeah, it's, it's his the little camper. tinker. It's his hobby thing. Yeah. And, and uh, so that's it's helpful to have that and uh, to get away with family and just appreciate our experiences together while we still have them while my daughter's still young. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been all over the place. So all those things feed into our positive self care. My wife and and mine. And. Uh, um, just trying to to help Ellen have the most whatever normal is yeah you know experience growing yeah. up and helping her through this pandemic also because kids are not meant to learn from home and so we're trying mm -hmm. to be aware early of any kind of issues she may be developing yeah red lights that's or, right yeah okay I think my last question is I know you've mentioned um, your wife Jelaine being mm -hmm. a pastor mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting to me um, just because I'm also pretty spiritual and pretty mm -hmm. involved at a church I work at a church a yes, Lutheran I saw church that. as well yes, yes. Um, and so I'm interested how has your experience with religion or spiritual spirituality excuse me mm -hmm. um, kind of enhanced your um, mental health battles or even maybe made it harder 
has how has that played a factor? I think for a while I was I was angrier at God. Yeah. For a while. Yeah, I feel that. And it's like what like why can't I just be normal again, whatever that means? Like why do I have to have these feelings? What do you and so for a long time I, I tried I tried to listen, I was like, What are you trying to say? I was mm-hmm. like, What is it that I need to hear? Yeah. Through these voices that it's are like, screaming just, at me. Just tell me, like Yeah. <laughs> And so we've been, again, very blessed to have, uh, when, uh, the, when the opportunity was there, we were provided for, mm-hmm. um, with either financially or through housing. Um, so we've been very blessed. And so, but, but during this, this last several years, it, I've kind of became a little, a little more bitter. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's better now than it was. And so I, I internalize a lot more spiritually and yeah. religiously speaking I, I i pray more but i pray with myself and yeah I, I know my wife would would wish that i we prayed together more and mm-hmm. we you know we say the table prayer and the yeah. dinner time and we make sure that, and ellen loves she's very she has a she has the biggest heart she's so yeah. thoughtful and so her religious background is beginning mm-hmm. um and so i i never make any of this public as far as you know my feelings yeah uh, around ellen and you know i still ten church and I, I still have a strong faith yeah um but sometimes um doubting yourself can strengthen your faith i think yeah i know mental health like really impacted my spirituality in weird ways that i'm mm-hmm. still trying to like navigate through and i think sometimes there's like this in my opinion a very harmful like narrative of like oh well like god wanted that to happen to you mm-hmm. you know or like oh god like it's fine because God planned right. for you to like not be okay. Yeah, that's, that's, and like, that's one of the worst things that my, that uh, people can say is like, well, this is just God's plan. Yeah. I just this, am like, that's BS. Right. Like, it come is, on. Yeah. And so like, this, you're just, you're meant to go down this journey because you're going to yes. come out so much stronger on yeah. the other side of that, that, which is just crap. Right? Yeah. It's like, God picks his toughest battle, mm-hmm. you know, like for his toughest. So it's only, like, only gives no. us as much as we can handle and makes <laughs> yeah. us. Yeah. And so all those platitudes don't help. Yeah. Right? They don't help. And, um, and my wife has uh, preached often uh, about the importance of, of mental health issues and brain mm-hmm. health and, and asking for help. A huge thank you to Chris for coming on to How Do You Feel? While sharing may come easy to some, there is no doubt that sharing your struggles on a public platform takes a ton of courage. This is all about a space to give. And after the interview, Chris and I went on to discuss how it really is a privilege to be able to have genuine friendships in which these conversations can be shared. And how cool that I got the opportunity to connect with an old teacher of mine in this way. And this is How Do You Feel? As we go on, we will continue to hear more stories and experiences from people of all types. If you are someone that struggles with the same kind of struggles of anxiety, or even some of those identity struggles like Chris, I hope that you are comforted by feeling not alone. And most of all, an acknowledgement that your feelings are real, regardless of a named diagnosis. As I stated in the first episode, a goal of mine is to share resources that could potentially help someone decompress or relax or just get educated. And today's resources come from inspiration from Chris as he talked about the impact of music on his life and the ways in which a deep breath can just get you through the day. Just to clarify, these sources are obviously not sponsored, just some recommendations that I think could resonate with some people to try.
First, while there is no exact source I can point you to this, I highly encourage listening to some music during a bad day. I am so glad that Chris recommended this because this is something that I do all the time and it makes a huge impact in my mood. If I'm feeling off, I'll put some headphones in, go for a walk, even just like go for a drive for a while and turn on some good music or just put on a speaker while I get in the shower and just find a song that kind of makes you feel more you. Personally, I'm a big indie music fan, may not be everyone's personal choice, but it is really good to just discover new songs or how in the midst of a really bad day, a song can just kind of turn that day around and make you feel at least a tiny bit better, even if it's just temporarily. And next, after my interview with Chris, I was inspired to check out the Breathe Meditation and Sleep app. Admittedly, I often overlook kind of the impact that our physical state has on our mental state, but the two last weeks when I'm feeling stressed or kind of on the verge of just shutting down, I've opened up this app and just tried it out. And I will say that this has been kind of a learning curve for me. I'm not sure that this is like the best place for me, but I do think that it helps me be really intentional and it helps me to even just take a second to think and kind of release that that mental strain that I have on my body and in my body. And so I think that these are great resources that you can check out. And again, these may not work for everyone. It's kind of all about learning what works best for you. And even as I'm kind of doing this podcast and listening to people, I've been trying out new things and trying to figure out things that may work for me and things that don't and just kind of honing that in. So I hope that you can at least discover something that works for you. Again, I will link that application in our episode notes. And I'll also find some resources on kind of that struggle of loss of identity and anxiety and the impacts that that can have on our mental health in our podcast notes. If you're interested in learning more or hearing more about these kind of things that Chris talked about today, I recommend those links as the place to start. Thank you so much for joining How Do You Feel? And keep checking back for further episodes with new guests. I'd like to wrap up with the closing statement that you are loved, your story is valid, and you are deserving of a healthy journey. Join us next episode for our next guest, which is Ellie Decker, a University of Iowa student studying psychology, talking to us about how ADHD has affected her life. Thank you for joining on How Do You Feel?